Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service today on the 30th of January. And the phone service is recorded uh, live from Drung Church last Sunday, the 23rd of January, where we were looking at Genesis 13 verses 5 to 18 and saw how Abraham enjoyed the freedom that God's promises meant to him. And we saw how we could enjoy that freedom as well. So I'm going to hand over to that service now. And just to say the uh, only announcement to add to the ones that will be coming up later on is that this uh, Thursday we are going to have in touch in person at the rectory at uh, 3.30 till 5pm. So you're very welcome to join us in person or if you'd prefer to join on Zoom, you're welcome to join on Zoom as well. Uh, I'll hand over to that service now. My hope is built on Please do be seated. And apologies to those online. We're now, uh, we're now plugged in and you can hear us now. Thank you for telling me that you couldn't hear me. And uh, John, who's asking where this church is, we're in Drung in, in County Cavan. Welcome to you this morning. We're going to join together in this collect for purity as we prepare to share the bread and the wine later in remembrance of our Lord's death for us. Let's join in this prayer for purity.
Together we pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, as we prepare to share the bread and the wine, uh, we're encouraged in the Bible to examine ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is to hear the commandments and to take them to heart and to ask for God's mercy. So hear these commandments which God has given to his people and take them to heart. God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not dishonor the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. Lord, have mercy upon us and write these your laws in our hearts. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be a false witness. You shall not covet anything which belongs to your neighbor. Lord, have mercy upon us and write these your laws in our hearts and the collect for this Sunday. Almighty God, whose Son revealed in signs and miracles the wonder of your saving presence, renew your people with your heavenly grace and in all our weakness sustain us by your mighty power through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, please do remain seated for our first reading, which you can see on the service sheet or in the church Bibles on page 901. It's John chapter 14, uh, John chapter 14 and verses 1 to 6. These, these are the words that Jesus spoke just before he was about to lay down his life for his disciples. And children, I'd like you to listen very carefully and see if you can spot three things that Jesus tells us about himself. Three things that Jesus says about himself. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the word of the Lord. How many was it? Uh, what, what, sorry, not how many. What did, did Jesus say about himself? Yes? The way, the truth, and the life. That's what Jesus said about himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to join in our all-age song now, which is an encouragement to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And I'm going to get Dorothy to come and help uh, to sing this for us. Let's stand and sing together, Trust in the Lord.
for helping us with that song. I've lost my service card. Have you taken it? <laughs> Thank you. Brilliant. Well, as we remain standing, we're going to affirm our faith together in the words of the Creed on page two of the service card. Together we say, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please do be seated as we turn to prayer. And Tom's going to come and lead us in our prayers.
we can start off with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer goes like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we continue in the spirit of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this day. This is your day that we can come together to worship you, to hear from you, and to respond to your word. We thank you for this, your church, and ask you'll bless us as we meet together today. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for our faith that we have in you. We thank you, Lord, that even when we are unfaithful, you remain faithful to us. You keep your promises to us. And we thank you for the Christian faith that has kept and sustained us as a nation for many generations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you today, Lord, that you indeed are the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you for the way that was made possible for us to come to know you as Lord and Savior, and to have faith in you. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, going to the cross and dying for us, to make this way possible for us to come to you, our Father in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We thank you, Lord, for the news this week on the easing of COVID restrictions. And we pray, Lord, that this would be an end to COVID and that we can get our daily lives back to normality. We do remember, Lord, in our prayers, those who are self-isolating at this time, those still with COVID, that soon they will return to normal and normal life will resume. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We today, Lord, remember those that are grieving, that you, Lord, would be a comfort to them at this time. Lord, we pray for the family and friends of Carrie Turner, of Ethel Hudson, of Mervyn Turner, of Mary Point, of Sue Hamill, and of Barbara Hunter. Lord, we pray that you be a comfort to them at this time and bring them peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and laid aside at this time. We ask that you will be a healing touch that they will need, and that they, for you, Lord, will know great help in their pain and their suffering. Lord, we remember Jackie Crow, Leon Bridie, Olive Sturgeon, Olive Simmons, Lucy Roberts, David Riley. And just in your own thoughts at this time, 
anyone who you can think of that is sick and laid aside. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Thank you very much, Tom, for leading us in our prayers. Uh, if you'd like to just look up there for a few announcements before the children head out to Sunday school. And I've found this service card, Dorothy, all's forgiven. Sorry, it was hiding behind my seat, so you can have yours back. Um, the, uh, the announcements are on the back page of the service sheet. The restrictions are, have lifted lots, um, and uh, we want to give you freedom to do as you see fit. Hope Explored will carry on this week on Zoom. Uh, you're welcome to come to the rectory as well if you'd like to, uh, but it will be available on Zoom as well. So uh, you can come either way on Wednesday night to our Hope Explored course uh, at 8.30. On Friday, GFS will be meeting. And then next Sunday, it is a fifth Sunday, and normally we'd have a united service, but I think just to be careful, we'll, we'll have a, a normal service here at 11.15 and eventually get back to united services just we'll take things slowly so uh, that's the plan for next week we'll be here at 11 15 um, as usual and the service online and then in touch we'll be able to meet again on the 3rd of february uh, and we can again offer that still to be on zoom for those that would prefer that um, but for those that feel comfortable coming do come in person on the 5th of february uh, the Cavan christian women's conference is happening and that's going to be about finding joy That'll be in the Cavern Crystal Hotel, and again, limited, limited numbers, so booking is essential for that. That's from 10 a.m. to 12.30 on Saturday, the 5th of February. I think that's it. Oh, no, one other bit of good news. Uh, Charlie Gaffney was born this week, a little uh, grandson to, to Bobby. Um, Ruth and Oliver's little baby boy was born this week, so some exciting news for them. Let's pray before the children head across the road. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the children here today, and we pray you bless them as they head across the road. We pray you keep them safe and speak to them through your word. And we thank you for the good news of the safe arrival of Charlie Gaffney, and pray you bless Ruth and Oliver and help them as they bring him up. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if the children want to head across the road now, And if you're staying in here, you might like to find a church Bible and turn to page 9, or else uh, follow along on the service sheet. We're continuing on in Ge uh, Genesis chapter 13, Genesis 13, and verses 5 to 18. And John Byers thinks his mother and father were married in this church many, many years ago. Maybe some of you would know John Byers. Uh, he's connecting there online. Thank you, John. So Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 to 18. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? 
separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valleys and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's uh, pray as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, thank you that all scripture is breathed out by you and is useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training us in every good work. We pray today you would do those things for us and help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll do keep that passage open from Genesis 13. Um, there's an unwritten rule in many offices and workplaces that you're never to say it's quiet, because if you say it's quiet, sure enough, it'll get busy. Apparently it's the same among the, the guards. You know, they can't radio to each other and say uh, it's quiet tonight because otherwise it'll get very busy. In hospitals even, they might, uh, the, the changeover between the shifts, they, they don't say have a quiet night, they say have a good night. Because they feel if they say that word quiet, they'll sort of jinx it and make everything uh, uh, busy for them. We think somehow by avoiding the word quiet we can control circumstances. Or maybe when you're cutting the silage or, or you decide you're going to make some hay, it's great weather, and you say, oh, it's great weather for cutting the hay, and then it rains. And you think, I wish I hadn't said anything. And you think somehow by saying the thing, you've somehow made it uh, rain. Maybe you put out a child of Prague on your wedding day to uh, make sure that it doesn't rain. Or maybe you're the kind of person that says, oh, things are going well, touch wood. And you think somehow by, by touching the wood, it's going to make everything okay. We try and control our circumstances through things we do. Or maybe it's something like praying or reading our Bible. Those are both great things to do, aren't they? But if we think that somehow by reading the Bible or praying, we're going to earn a good day, we're going to earn God's favour, we can control and manipulate him, we're getting it wrong. It's so easy to try and control things. And last week we saw Abraham tried to control things. He tried to control things by going down to Egypt. Do you remember he, he'd been promised the land of Canaan 
and uh, he'd been promised he'd become a great nation and he'd live under God's blessing. God made these wonderful promises to him, totally undeserved. And Abraham believed and he trusted and he went to the land and he started so well, but then a famine came. What should he do? Well, of course, he tries to control things. He, he doesn't trust God. He, he goes down to Egypt, to the land that's well watered, and he heads down there to, to try and survive moves away from the land God's promised him. And when he gets there, his wife is beautiful and he says, this could be a problem for me. The men might find her attractive and then they'll kill me to get you, Sarai, he says. And so instead of protecting his wife and saying, I'm going to stand by you no matter what, instead of saying, God, God has promised that he'll make us a great nation, he'll look after us, he says, tell a lie, Sarah. T say, say you're my sister and not my wife and then it'll go well for me. Well, in many ways he was right because Sarai was taken by Pharaoh, the most important ruler of the land. She took, he took Sarai to be his wife. And it went well for Abraham. He, he was spared because Pharaoh thought that this was his sister. It went well for a while and Abraham actually became rich. He got lots of livestock and gold and silver. And it went well until Pharaoh discovered that actually Sarai was Abraham's wife. Because God knew that Sarai was Abraham's wife and he sent plagues on Pharaoh. He punished him. He got sick because he'd married someone else's wife. See, God saw, even though uh, Pharaoh didn't, and punished Pharaoh. And so Abraham, he's totally messed up. He was meant to be in the land of Canaan. He's left and gone to Egypt. He's meant to become a great nation, but his wife's been given to someone else. How can he become a great nation? He's got no children and his wife's gone to someone else. And he's meant to bring blessing to the nations, but instead he's brought disease. And he's in trouble with Pharaoh. But we saw God is faithful even when we're not. And God keeps his promise to bless Abraham. Abraham's kept safe. He should have got the death penalty for the way he treated Pharaoh. But instead he got mercy and he lived. And he got grace because, do you remember, he left Egypt enriched. We saw that back in chapter 13, verse 2, that uh, this is before the reading we had today. He was enriched with livestock and silver and gold. And he went back to the land and he worshipped God. He built an altar, or back, back to the altar he'd made at first, and he worshipped the Lord. He learned that God is in control. But what about when the next challenge comes along? Because they come, don't they? They come. Challenges come every week, don't they? A different one. It might be the weather. It might be the high prices. It, it might be a pandemic. It might be our health. There's always something, isn't there, that comes our way to cause trouble. What will we do when that challenge comes? And the next challenge that comes to Abraham, will, will he trust God in it? Or will he try and control the situation? Well, his challenge is one that you might like. Do you see his challenge? It's there at the beginning of the reading in verse 5. Um, Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. So they've got lots of uh, livestock. In fact, they've got so much that the land cannot support them. They've got too many animals. And maybe you know that problem. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it, if you've got too many animals? But you've got to feed them all. And how, how, how is this going to happen? And so there's a dispute between the, the two herdsmen. There in verse 7, there's strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. There's, there's an argument. 
I learned this week uh, something you probably all know uh, about cattle B&B. I'd never heard of that till this week. That if your shed's empty, uh, you can rent it out, as it were. Someone else puts their cattle in your shed and you can make a bit of money out of it. But does it lead to disputes? I don't know. You can tell me afterwards. Who, 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 do you have to draw up a contract? Who feeds the animals? What happens if they get sick? Who's responsible? Who power hoses down before and after? Who's responsible for the vet's bills, the electricity? There, there might be disputes. And there's disputes here between the herdsmen, the, those who are keeping the livestock, between Abraham and, and Lot. They argue because there's not enough silage. They're running out of grazing lands. There's a dispute over the, the grazing rights. What do they do? How, how do you sort it out when there's this sort of problem of verse 7? There's this dispute. What is natural is to think, what's best for me? Uh, we do it from the youngest age, don't we? Think about a children's birthday party, and maybe we'll be able to have them again soon. Uh, but what happens when the cake comes out? Which one do they go for? The biggest bit, the one with the most icing, the most chocolate. And maybe as grown-ups, we're not too uh, different. You take what's best for you. And that was, well, why doesn't Abraham do that? He's the older one. He's the old uncle. Why doesn't he do that? Do you see there's something very unnatural about Abraham? His generosity. He's so kind. He thinks of the interests of others. Uh, and we're told in verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. There's a little footnote that tells us uh, that that means brothers. Kinsmen, we're brothers. Lot is actually his nephew, but he's saying we're family. Why, why argue about the land? It's, it's very sad, isn't it, when families fall out over, over land. What's more important? Is it the, is it the land or the relationship? And Abraham says, it's the relationship. Look, we're brothers, Lot. We're family. Let's not fall out over the land. You take your pick. Abraham humbles himself. He's the superior. He's the older. But he says, you take your pick. He gives Lot the choice, you see, in verse 9. Is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. He says to Lot, you pick. How can he do this? How can he be so generous? Has he come? Has he learnt to trust the promises of God, that God will bless him? He doesn't need to grab. That God's given him land. He doesn't need to grab the best. He can trust God. God's going to work for his good. Has he learned? He doesn't have to control things. He doesn't have to touch wood. He can say quiet. He doesn't have to salute the magpie. He knows that God has promised to work for his good. God has promised him the land, that he'll become a great nation and that he'll live under his blessing. And so he's free to be generous, to hold what he has lightly. Abraham is the social superior. He's the, the older man, but he humbles himself for the sake of peace within the family. Abraham enjoys the freedom of God's promise. He knows that God's in control and is working for his good, and so he enjoys that freedom. I don't need to try and grab what's best for myself. Well, what about us? We're, we're not promised the land, are we? We're not promised that we'll become a great nation. 
But we do have the words of Jesus in our, in our first reading from John chapter 14, those wonderful words that he shared with the disciples on the night before he was about to, to lay down his life for them, where he promised them and, and all God's people eternal dwellings. He promised them a place with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to the cross to pay for your sins so that you can enjoy eternal dwellings. And if we know that, if we know that God has prepared eternal dwellings for us, the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth, well then we can hold on to stuff lightly now, can't we? Because eternity is a lot longer than a lifetime. As uh, someone once said, we're, we're only here for a week, Haley. We're only here for a short time. But eternity is a long time, isn't it? It's forever. And if we know that, that we've got eternal dwellings, we don't need the perfect house now. We don't need the perfect car or the perfect farm now. We can trust God in the face of rising costs. We don't need to grab now. We can hold things with an open hand. And that's what Abraham does. He says, God has promised me the land. He's promised me blessing. I can trust him. What about Lot, the nephew? Abraham, by faith, trusts God. Lot is by sight. By sight, he grabs. Do you see verse 10? We're told he saw. Verse 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw. He sees the cake. He sees the best land and he thinks, I've got to get that for myself. I need that for myself. And there's a hint here, and maybe it's just a hint, that, that this isn't quite right. It's like the Garden of the Lord, we're told. Uh, that's a, a reference to Eden, which was a wonderful place, but it was also the place of temptation, wasn't it? The place where Lot's ancestors, Adam and Eve, saw and they took. They saw what they were not to take and they took it. They disobeyed God. And we're told in verse 11 that he chose for himself, he's thinking of his own interests, verse 11, so he chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. Well, why wouldn't he? He's got to get what's best for himself, hasn't he? He's got the future ahead of himself, he's got to grab it, he's got to take it. This land is so good, we're told in verse 10, it's well watered everywhere. It's like the land of Egypt. And remember, they've just gone to Egypt and come back. Uh, and so if this land's like Egypt, he, he won't have to leave to go to Egypt again. There's security here in the land. He can trust the land. He's leaning on his own understanding. And remember our all-age song that was based on those words from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean we should never think. We do need to think. But we don't lean on our own understanding. We need to include God in our decision-making process. To trust the Lord, to seek him. To not only think about what's best for us financially, but to think about our relationship with God as well. Maybe you're offered a new job or you're looking for a new job. What will you think about as you look for that job? Will it just be about the money? Or will it also include things like, well, Will it take me away from my family for a long time? 
Will I get to see them? Will it take me away from church? Will I not be able to get to church anymore? We're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but Lot, he just sees the land and he thinks, I've got to have it. And there's hints that this is unwise. It's like the garden of the Lord. It's like Egypt. And a shadow is cast over this land. You see at the end of verse 10, it's just a reminder of how short things are, how temporary things are. At the end of verse 10, we're told this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The land he's picked that looks so good is a land that's going to be destroyed. He's so short-sighted that he misses this. And he moves eastwards. And we might not think much about that, but in the Bible, going east there in verse 11 is not normally a good thing. Remember, that's the direction that Adam and Eve went out of the garden. They were thrown out to the east. Going east is a direction away from the Lord. And so again, a hint that Lot is making the wrong decision here. He's going away from the Lord. And where's he going to? Verse 12, we're told he settled in the cities and moved as far as Sodom. He seems to settle there near Sodom. He's at the the boundary of the promised land. Maybe he's even left the promised land and he's gone to a place of wickedness. Now, whether he knew at that point it was a place of wickedness or not, we, we don't know. But it seems that he's choosing a direction away from God rather than towards him. It's worth us asking, isn't it, when we're making choices, are we, are we making choices that will take us towards God or away from him? Is this going to help me in my relationship with God or is it going to lead me away from him? Those who go fishing will know that uh, you don't just throw a hook out into the, into the river, do you? You put a worm on it, something juicy to, to make the fish, I don't know, do they smell or do they see or how do they, however they sense this thing and they want it and they grab it but they don't realise there's a hook And so you get the fish. And Satan is like that. He offers things to us. He holds something up and says, look at this, you could have this. And then he snaps us like that hook. He leads us away from trusting on the promises of God. He makes us try and control things ourselves and grab like Lot did. What will happen to Lot? We're left on a bit of a cliffhanger in verse 13. We're just told that the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And what we see with Lot is he slowly makes a journey and becomes more and more settled in that place of wickedness. What about Abraham, though? He is rewarded for his trust in the Lord. He's rewarded for his faith in the Lord. Do you see what God says? He repeats the promises that he's made before and makes them even bigger. He's told in verse 14 to to look at the land. It's north, south, east, west. Look at the land. God says, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. He's rewarded. And what about the, the people? Verse 16. God says, I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth. God says, run your finger along the counter, Abram. Do you see all that dust? You can't count it, can you? Go and do some, some sweeping up. Abraham, have a look at all the dust. Can you count it? Empty out your Dyson. Can you count it? He says, I'll make your descendants as many as the dust of the earth. His promise is an enormous promise to Abraham because he's trusted God. And his response is, 
that he worships. Do you see there in verse 18? At the end of the reading, he built an altar to the Lord and he worships. Well, as we uh, end today, where are you trying to control things? Are you someone that touches wood? Why do you do it? Why not? Or are you someone who salutes the magpie? Why not the next time you're tempted to, to, to do that? Rather pray and say, God, I trust you. You're in control. You see, we don't need to be bound by blind forces of fate. We don't need to submit to fate because we trust a person, the Lord Jesus Christ who when he walked this earth showed his complete power and authority over evil, over sickness, and even over death. We don't trust in fate, but in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't need to worry about saying it's great weather or saying it's quiet. We can trust that Jesus is in control and that he is the superior one like Abraham who humbled himself to bring peace? Or will you enjoy the freedom of God's promise that you don't have to be in control if you know that God is working for your good? He's working to bless you. You don't need to grab, but you can hold things lightly. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Abraham's example to us this week that he held on to things lightly and he trusted you. Thank you for the blessings that you've promised us through the Lord Jesus of eternal dwellings. And so we pray we would trust in a person and not fate, that we would know that the Lord Jesus is in control and that that would give us great peace, that we might enjoy the freedom that he gives us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in a moment, we'll, we'll have to say goodbye to those online as we share in the communion together. Um, but you can join us for this uh, prayer before we, we do that. Uh, we're going to come to God and say sorry to God for times we've not trusted him, times we've tried to control things ourselves. Uh, and we're going to do that in the words of the confession on page four. Uh, let me introduce it with the words there on page four, and then we'll join in the words in bold. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace. So together we pray, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and in what we've left undone. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in the newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Wonderfully, Jesus promised that he was going to prepare a place. He was going to the cross so that we could be forgiven. And so I can pray with confidence, Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, Have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the final hymn that we sang last Sunday was Safe in the Arms of Jesus, so I'll add that on here for you to join in with. 
It reminds us of that safety we have uh, in the Lord Jesus and, and the freedom we can have in him. of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul shall rest. Hark, tis the voice of angels, born in a song to Jasper Sea, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul shall rest, safe in the arms of Jesus. Safe from corroding care, safe from the world's temptations, sin cannot harm me there. Free from the blight of sorrow, free from my doubts and fears, only a few trials, only a few more tears, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul shall rest. Jesus, my heart's dear refuge, Jesus has died for me. Firm on the rock of ages, ever my trust shall be. Here let me wait with patience, wait till the night is o'er, wait till I see the morning break on the golden shore, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love shaded, sweetly my soul shall rest. Well, let's close our time together with the words of the grace. Together we pray, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.